Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Awesome to have you here for another episode where I bring on Molly Dare Hillenbrand, who's the founder of Hillenbrand Media, to be a guest today. And as many of you that have been listening to the podcast know, I don't, one, I bring on some really cool guests. But secondly, there's always you know some undertones as well because I think life is more than just kind of what you see. There's a lot of underlying things, adversity, uh, different events, hurdles people have to jump. And for whatever reason, those don't always get exposed or talked about, and I think they're vital. And one of the things, you know, Molly was really neat when I came across her on Instagram and, and kind of looked at her story a little bit. Not only some of the great things she's doing trying to grow this PR brand in South Florida, where she lives now, but I really wanted her to talk a little about her journey um, of being a single parent because I'm a single parent. Some of you guys may know that. And I think it's really incredible that not only can provide and give your kids everything, make them still number one, you can still be very fulfilled in life trying to achieve some of these different successes, some of the things that make you passionate. So I was really appreciative of Molly to come on the episode, share her journey, and really excited to get in this episode today. So without further ado, let's jump into my chat today with Molly Dare Hillenbrand. Let's get it started. Molly, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Great to have you. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I want to start here with you because, you know, there's a lot I want to discuss, but what I've always found interesting, especially with these conversations is, you know, where you are today has a lot to do with where you came from. And I thought if it's okay, maybe we can take a big step back in your life and let's kind of maybe start from the beginning of the journey. Doing some research online, I'm curious, what was it when people asked you back, like when you were a teenager, maybe kind of heading to college, when they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? What what was that answer? Do you remember that? (laughs) Um, I sure do. I, um, I think back in high school, I was conflicted between wanting to be a lawyer and wanting to be a psychologist. (laughs) So I believe I entered um, college pre-law, believe it or not, and then um, switched my major um, halfway through to clinical psychology and child psychology. Any reason why that? Like, was there something in your upbringing that... To, you know, wanted you to be, you know, you know pre-law or go law? No, not at all. The, 100% came from me. Um, my parents were really wonderful at kind of letting us be us. Um, I owe them a lot for giving me kind of that independence. And um, I really, now that I look back at it, I really loved people. I really loved understanding how people work, um, what drives them, um, you know, issues, what I could, I like being a helper. I like to help people through their issues. Um, And so I think that's where kind of like a lawyer, counselor, psychologist, you know, part spoke to me. And now I saw you went, is it Dickinson College? Is that in Pennsylvania? Yes, it's in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Okay, that's what I thought. I was doing some research. I hadn't really heard of Dickinson. By the way, you may know this. This is a fun fact people can uh, use as a, I I was googling some stuff. It's amazing what you can find out there. So did you know it's the first college to be chartered after the formation of the United States? Interesting. I did know that. They are very proud of that. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's a good trivia question the listeners can use. Um, So... After um, this thing is, it's already went off the rails. You know these tangents I go on. Yeah. Um, 
so let me ask you this with, with psychology. So kind of graduate psychology as a background, what were, was the goal to like, go do your own practice? Was it to go work? So, like, what, what was that you wanted to do with psychology as that backbone? Um, you know, that's a really great question. Um, I think at the time I just, I wanted to study something that really fascinated me. Um, you know, back in the day, as I, you know, I say all the time, I'm a late bloomer. So back in the day, you know, I really struggled. I had ADD. It was hard for me to focus in school. Um, and so I was so happy when I went to college and I was able to take courses in something that truly interested in me and kept my focus. And so, you know, studying people, how they work, you know, issues that they had just fascinated me. And, you know, I, I kind of became a much better student when I was passionate about what I was learning. And so I don't know at the time if I knew what I wanted to do with it other than it interested me. I wanted to um, really explore it further. Um, I remember wrestling, you know, my senior year of college of being like, okay, do I go into the workforce right away and, you know, start something or do I go to graduate school? Because a lot of times with a psychology degree, it helps, you know, to get the graduate degree if you want to have your own practice, et cetera. Um, so I remember flip-flopping back and forth on what I wanted to do there and, and ultimately um, decided to take a sharp left and work on Wall Street <laughs> right out of college. And um, I worked in the human resources at Goldman Sachs. So I want to I want to put a pin in that for a second because I want to go back to, to that moment. But you mentioned something yeah. that I, I want to touch on and because I actually say this to a lot of people that I feel like I, I've been a late bloomer. I kind of not wasted you know, my twenties mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. it, the fact that I, I didn't really get it, maybe there was a lot of learning that still had to happen. Can you talk sure. about that a little bit? Cause I think the psychology Absolutely. around being a late bloomer, I'm just curious your thoughts and perspective on that. Um, you know, I, I say it all the time that I'm a late bloomer because I really didn't get my drive and passion until probably late twenties, early thirties. Um, but now that I look back on it, everything was was preparing me for it right every experience i had every you know job i tried or you know new career path that i i kind of swerved on was all teaching me lessons and building me up to to find out what my passion was i think it's okay if you don't know what your passion is at 18 years old when you have to declare a major <laughs> Do you know what I, mean? I mean i think that's a lot to ask of an 18 19 year old um, to decide what they want to do and focus on. Because over the course of my 40 years, my passions have changed. Um, and what drives me has changed. But I have taken every piece of what I've done to my next, you know, experience or, or career. And so I don't, I don't um, want to belittle any of the moves that I've made because they, they've all brought me here. Yeah, and I, I agree so fully. And I don't want to go down the the, the whole. I would get probably spend an hour talking about college and who you know what we sure. think about that. I mean, I I definitely believe that that's you know that was the old mentality you know hundred years ago or whatever that hey you go and you get sure. forty years then you go work for somewhere for thirty years and it's just it's changed it's different. Um, and obviously mm -hmm. we're seeing a shift with that. What um let's keep going down that road. What sparked was there was there a specific event? or a series of events, you mentioned something kind of sparked you, sure. maybe, I don't know if it was around the age of 30 or something like that, but I'm curious if you can talk about that a little bit. Sure. Well, um, there were a few events in my life. Um, one of them being, you know, 
Um, I was down in Manhattan um, at the time and um, went through that whole day, that whole scenario, and was just gutted by it, like the rest of the world. And it really made me stop in my tracks and think, what do I really want to do in my life? And am I doing, you know, where I am right now? Is it making me happy? Is this what I want to do? Life is so short. You know, kind of had that moment of my life where you kind of take check. Um, and I think it really lit a fire in me to to really serve a life more purposeful and that added more joy. Um, and that's when I kind of started um, working with children, which is what I love. And I was teaching kindergarten or I was a teaching assistant at the Hewitt School in Manhattan. And then at night, my brother had started a record label and I was promoting the singer songwriters um, at night. And that was my first kind of dabble into PR. Um, and I loved it. I loved promoting the singer songwriters. I loved getting out there and fighting for someone. And from that point on, I knew that that's what I wanted to do, whether it was for me and my, you know, stores and jobs, or if it was for other people and their passions and their businesses, it, it really sparked that within me. The second major thing that happened to me was I got divorced. Um, and, you know, as many people know, when you get divorced, you're kind of thrown into a, a hurricane of, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Where, how am I going to do this? I'm now a single mom with two young girls who are looking at me like, now what? Um, and I knew I needed to take, at the time I had, you know, a little children's store that I had opened and it was doing well. And it was a small town, Princeton, New Jersey. And I knew I had to take that model that was doing well and make it bigger. So I took it to Chicago and opened it there because I knew I needed to be in a city with high traffic volume and a higher volume of purchases, et cetera, et cetera. And that kind of started my entrepreneurial, you know, traveling, working, single mom um, scenario that I've been in ever since, um, promoting myself um, at the time and my store and learning social media and learning um, the value of putting yourself out there so people get to know you, the owner of the business, because that really creates a loyal bond to what you're selling, what your passion is. Um, that was a really tough thing for me. I was not used to putting myself out there in such a public way. Um, and, you know, but when you're passionate about what your job is, what you're, what you're doing, what your business is, um, it's, you can't help but, but sell that passion and people see that within you. And then they're immediately attracted to what you're doing because nobody can sell your business better than yourself. Um, no one else has that passion and that fire that, that, you know, ignites the other people around you. Um, and so, you know, that was a fun time for me for a while and growing that business and growing the stores and be able to creating a life, you know, for myself and my children after divorce um, was really empowering. And I was really proud of myself during that time, the way it was handled and what I was showing to my two girls, that I wasn't going to just lay down on the couch and cry about what didn't go right in my life, that I was actually going to take a challenge um, that I wasn't expecting, and I'm going to learn from it, and I'm going to take it, I'm going to empower me to do better and be better and grow from it. So I don't I don't want to gloss over the fact that you started this business like this is a brick and mortar business. 
<laughs> so this, so after I got married and I had my two children, I believe they were um, a ripe old age of two years old and six months at the time that I got this great idea um, that I wanted to start um, accumulating. I could not find the clothes, the style of clothes that I wanted to dress my children in, in the area that I was living, which was in Princeton, New Jersey. So I, you know, was researching the designers at the time that I loved um, to dress my children in and realized they weren't being sold anywhere around. And so, you know, I asked if I could, you know, buy it wholesale. I was going to sell it out of my house and I was going to kind of do trunk shows, you know, selling it or, you know, by appointment only. Well, it became so popular and I had so many appointments every day that all these clothes and racks of clothes took over my dining room, my living room, my office. And so my husband at the time was like, you know what? <laughs> This is really, really wonderful, but maybe it's time to uh, move it outside of the home. And um, there happened to be a nice little store, vacant store in town, um, you know, that was just right. And so, you know, I went to the leasing owner and um, the landlord and, you know, made a deal with him to open it up. And, you know, then Lux of My Baby and Child was born. And so that was um, a good few years that I had that in um, downtown Princeton, New Jersey. What was the, I guess, what was the biggest challenge of kind of getting that off the ground and, and having some success early on? Is there something you remember that the most adversity you had during that time? Sure. Well, um, there was a few. Um, the, the landlord at the time, you know, just, you know, learning to negotiate. <laughs> Um, that just because people say something is this amount doesn't mean it has to be. There's negotiations and everything and um, really fighting for what you believe in and not and standing your ground, et cetera, um, was important for me. Um, you know, also being able to sell your idea to someone who may not think it's a great idea or that they've already done it before, it didn't work. I think, I believe that that was what was being told to me at the time. Oh, we've already had children's stores. It doesn't work here. Um, we're not gonna do it again. And I'm like, no, but you've never had this kind of store with these designers. And I know, I said, you know, I have nonstop appointments in my home. I know the same people will be coming here. It'll bring more people into your town. Um, and I remember going back and forth quite a bit um, on that. And then I think I just, I don't know if he was just so annoyed of having me come into his office all the time and uh, bleeding with him, but he finally was like, fine, go ahead, give it a shot. Um, so that was a major obstacle. And then also dealing with, you know, working full time when I had two young children, um, you know, and the mom guilt that comes with that was a huge challenge. Um, you know, I try to include my daughter's in my work. Um, they came to the store with me often. They thought it was fun to work behind the cash register. Um, you know, and so again, I tried to make it a positive. You know, if I didn't have a sitter and I couldn't, uh, you know, I needed to bring them with me. It's like, okay, let's make this fun. Like you get to work the cash register or you get to organize this, you know, area. Um, and this is your special area. And how would you organize it? You know, just trying to find a way um, to make it work with two young kids. And well, that's, I mean, one, that's awesome that just the, the fact to kind of take the, take the lead there and, and move forward with it. And one of the things I'm curious about even, and, and if you can go deeper in this, if you can share anything additional is really just around taking the idea, because as you mentioned, mm -hmm. it, this was really going to be for your kids. Like you just wanted to design this for your kids. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute, I could do this a little bit more at scale, maybe, you know, help others and, and start this business. I, I don't know why it clicks in me. I'm thinking back of, um, 
Sarah Blakely with Spanx, where it's like, had this idea. Mm-hmm. And it's, most people, a million other people had that idea and no one went forward with it except her. But so I'm curious right. the same with you. What, what made you actually say, you know what, I'm going to take this from just making these for my kids maybe and actually go forward. Was there anything specific that really sparked that to actually take the leap of faith on yourself? Um, you know, it's so funny because right until you asked that question, I wouldn't have had an answer, but you totally just <laughs> reminded me of the moment that um, when I walked into the space during this time at night, um, one of my daughters was was suffering from like some anxiety and securities, et cetera. And so I used to make up this bedtime story for her about this little fairy who had the smallest wings in her whole, you know, little fairy world. And she was embarrassed by them because they were the smallest ones. And she didn't feel good about herself. And so every night, um, you know, I would make up a bedtime story about how she would challenge herself in a different way. And this fairy, her name was um, Lily from the town of Luxavai, which is what I made up at the time. And I said, you know, she believed in herself. And every time she believed in herself and challenged herself, her wings would grow. And over, you know, time, the more she challenged herself, the bigger her wings were. So the day that I went to bring my girls to the spot, you know, before I had signed a lease and, you know, I wanted to show it to my girls and be like, this is what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think? My daughter turned to me and goes, mom, you're just like Luxa by Lily. Um, so that was the moment like, oh, now I got to do this. <laughs> I got to show my girls that, you know, you got to believe in yourself and you got to try. And, you know, in my, my little daughter's mind, you know, I was growing my wings. Right. And thus, you know, the name of the store, Luxa by Baby and Giles, um, you know, it was kind of all born out of that, that story and um, that moment with my daughter. That's all. Kids are pretty amazing, aren't they? They are yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, the, uh, so you transitioned then, you said you moved to Chicago and did you, so did you well, open yeah. a store in sh- Chicago as well? Yes, I actually did a crazy thing, uh, which at the time seemed totally normal. <laughs> Where, uh, you know, as I was going through my divorce and, you know, again, trying to figure out how can I make what I know how to do and make it bigger to make more money. Um, and I was like, okay, I really love Chicago. I have a lot of family out in the Midwest. So I was, you know, familiar with the Chica- with Chicago um, and found the store that was available on Oak Street, one of my favorite streets in Chicago. And I just knew it had to be mine. And so I had my stores open in both cities um, at the same time. So I was back and forth. Um, At the time, my custody arrangement with their dad was he would have them one week a month and one long weekend a month. And so it was on those times that I would fly out to Chicago when my kids were with their dad um, to get it up and rolling and to be there in the store every day. Um, And to, uh, so yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of back and forth at that time and, and a lot of long days and long nights and not a lot of sleep. So when did the transition come? Because you mentioned earlier that, you know, you did some PR stuff. That was your first taste of it. When did yeah. you kind of, were you always doing that through this process? Or was that like a a, a new switch yeah. with some of the stuff you're doing now? Uh, did that just kind of pop up in the last few years? So, you know, it started when I was working with the record label and the singer-songwriters where I kind of was promoting people. And then when I had my stores, I was now promoting myself, right? And my business and my passion and kind of, you know, putting it out there. And Facebook had just, you know, really started uh, becoming more than just a college thing. And so I, you know, I remember, you know, putting my business on Facebook, you know, way back when that wasn't really done a lot. 
And people are like, what are you doing? You're making a, a Facebook page for your business? And I'm like, yeah, that way I can share the photos, you know, of all the new stuff that I get in. Um, and, you know, then Instagram came out and, you know, we started posting the photos on Instagram. Of the, and I remember just loving the social media aspect. And I can't tell you how many customers I got through that. And I immediately fell in love with, you know, being able to promote throughout social media and how easily that worked. Um, and so, you know, having my stores and really promoting and getting it out there um, was something I truly enjoy doing and, and got great responses from. Um, and then not to jump too far ahead, but, you know, when I had to move to Florida and my whole life changed again and I had to start all over again, I had become pretty good at the social media aspect. And so I was now helping my friends do their businesses and get, you know, them off the ground and familiar with social media and how to use it as a tool to grow their businesses. And so that's how um, Hill and Brand Media got formed, um, was basically through word of mouth, through friends that had used me to help them um, kind of grow, grow their own passion. What helped you, I mean, and maybe not, maybe that's a, a poor phrasing, but maybe throughout your life from, I'm always curious with people that are able to put themselves out there. Um, you know, I talk about this a lot about the vulnerability and stuff. So putting yourself out online instead of just sharing photos and stuff, but actually sharing your story more and, you know, being even on camera type stuff. Was that easy for you up front or was that something that was very challenging to kind of put the story out there over the last few years or so? Of everything I have done in my life, putting myself out there and being vulnerable. And I know people find that hard to believe now. Um, is the hardest thing I've ever done. If you go back to grade school, Molly, and high school, Molly, um, my teachers would have conferences with my parents saying, asking, why does she not speak? Why does she not talk in class? She will not raise her hand. I was so insecure and shy to say anything. Even if I knew the right answer and I knew it was the right answer, I still was too shy to raise my hand and speak. Um, et cetera. And so I think anyone who knew me back in the day is surprised at where I've landed today. Um, and I think really what, what motivated me was I so wanted this business to work. It's not even that I wanted it to work. It had to work. I had to do it for myself, for my girls. Um, I, I didn't have a choice. And the more that I put myself out there and started doing press for the store and, and put, you know, my face was now, you know, in the magazine ad, it was now, you know, whatever. It was, you know, you're so afraid to do it. And then when you realize that the sky didn't fall because you did it and it actually brought people in and, and people actually liked what you had to say um, and that they were inspired by it, you know, it just gives you fuel to keep going and to keep doing it. Um, and it's one of the toughest things that I tell, you know, I've had to tell my clients or to convince them to do because they're always like, oh, no, 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 I don't want to be in the photo. Just, you know, just photograph my things or, you know, just photograph, you know, the store or the business. And I go, no, people want to see the person behind the business. That is what draws them in. They want to know the story. They want to know why they want to shop there. They want to know who you are. They want to feel a sense of recognition when they walk into your place. And you know, that is always the toughest challenge. And, and I get it. Um, but then what's, you know, the best moment for me is when I see them put themselves in front of the camera or, you know, photograph themselves and start doing it more and more often because they're getting the positive feedback. And I see how much that grows them 
and, and you know, then they start enjoying it. And I'm like, yeah, there we go. So let's talk about Hillenbrand Media a little bit. Explain to me a little bit more how that structure is. Like, you know, in terms, are there certain specific folks you work with? Is it a, is it a larger scale? Like, what's the, maybe what's the goal of that uh, business going forward? So Hillenbrand Media um, has um, started when I moved down to Florida. So very, very quickly, I had to make another huge life change, um, which seems to be the theme of my life. I am um, very good at starting over. I've done it many times now. Um, I now um, look forward to it as a challenge accepted. So um, within four weeks, I pretty much had to close my businesses sell my home, um, move to a place I didn't know anything about, and start all over with my kids and um, figure out what to do from there. So I gave myself a little grace period because it was a um, hurricane of a time for me (laughs) and um, made sure my kids were settled in their new school, you know, in this new community. And I kind of gave myself a few months grace period to just look around and see what was needed in the area. During that time, as I mentioned, I was helping my friends do what I just naturally was doing anyway with the social media and helping them, you know, learn the tools of that. When I saw that that they, you know, were willing to pay me to do it and that they were referring me to other people, I said, well, this is what I should be doing. Why am I not making this my business? I do it anyway. And, you know, my friends react really well and their friends that they've recommended to me have seen growth. And this obviously seems to be something that I'm you know, doing pretty well at, like, this should be my business. I didn't know right then what it was going to be overall, but I knew there was an idea and I knew that there was something that was working and that I was good at. Um, And so that's how I formed Hill and Brand Media. Um, You know, it's funny when I was thinking, what am I going to call this thing? And I was, you know, asking some friends, what should I call it? What should my business name be? Which is always a big thing for people. What should we call ourselves? Uh, You know, I had a really good friend who turned to me and goes, Molly, it's in your name, Hillen Brand. You promote people's brands. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's right there all the time. <laughs> the whole time it's been in my name and I never even realized it. Um, and so, you know, I always thought, well, this is probably what was meant to be for me. Um, so yeah, so Hillen Brand Media was formed and it started out as me just promoting people's businesses um, and places and, you know, hotels, restaurants, et cetera. Um, through social media, I would, you know, start their accounts for them, I would grow their accounts, um, etc. Over time, as I then started, or was brought on to the next chapter of my life, which was um, TV host for the ION channels, um, I added video segments and tape segments as part of my offerings. And that has gotten the greatest feedback of everything that I've done. And so Hill and Brand Media has kind of morphed into promoting people, places, cities, events through film segments with me as the host, which I then promote all over social media through the ION channels and my own personal social media channels, um, as well as others. Any uh, advice you'd share for folks that are trying to get out there, we're talking about kind of getting out there more online and promoting their brands and stuff from a video standpoint? Um, I'm very bullish on audio, right? As you, as you know, being on the podcast, <laughs> but video obviously is still very important. Is there anything that you've learned along the way? Maybe it's length of video or something to focus on that maybe someone that's trying to you know, grow that right off the bat could use? 
Yes, I and I am still learning. I I'm a, I am a forever work in progress, as I call myself. Um, and I love the journey of it all. I do. I you know, it's not always about you know being successful right off the bat. You very rarely are, right? Um, but I I truly enjoy the journey. I enjoy learning what works and what doesn't. That's um, fun for me. Um, I'm still figuring it out because, as you well know, um, social media is changing constantly. The algorithms are changing constantly. What works for people, what they want, what they're adding with the new IGTV, um, et cetera. What I find now and what the sweet spot seems to be is that the one-minute segment, right, is about people's threshold for what they can pay attention to nowadays, which, you know, is its own story um, about our attention to anything right now in our lives. But um, we very rarely can um, hold people past like a three to four minute video. I think people want the information. They want it fast. They want to be immediately captured and they want to be um, immediately sold on something. So we have tried, you know, especially for Instagram purposes, to narrow down our film segments to one minute. Not an easy task to do. Um, to try to sell a story and to say why you should, you know, invest in something or go to a place or follow this person in one minute uh, is, is a very tough task. Um, but I think that is, you know, the sweet spot. The podcast realm is exploding, um, which is amazing. I think people are genuinely interested in hearing about other people. I think it's fascinating for people. I think everyone wants that fire lit within them and everybody's waiting to be inspired and moved by something. And I think that's why the podcast realm is doing incredibly well because, you know, it's an in-depth look, you know, contrary to the one minute flash segment, you know, in person in the video, um, I think people really are on the go all the time and they enjoy listening to something, whether it's on their commute, their drive to work, they're on a flight to somewhere. I think the podcast realm is succeeding so so much because it's not something you have to watch. It's something that you listen to, and um, it kind of like gets you lost in thought, and, and the dreamer in you starts to realize, oh, I wonder if I could do that too. And this person sounds awesome, I you know. And um, so I think the two mediums, you know, are successful in in their own ways, um, depending on what the person is is looking for at the time. Um, again, with, you know, the tape, the video segments that I do, we really try to edit it down to the best moments, the most, um, interesting moments, because we know that our time to capture the audience's attention is so limited. Yeah, that's fair. No, that's good. That's good insight. I, I'm seeing that as well. Um, so I'm just curious, I'm, I'm glad you kind of backing that up and, uh, giving some insight around that. Um, cause I think that's helpful for folks again, that whether it's a business or brand they're trying to do, you know, how can they get out there a little bit more than, than maybe they are doing today? Um, what is the, I, I saw this online. I'm curious, go in depth at what's the social movement. <laughs> um, that is the most amazing experience I have had. Um, I was, um, I was asked by the executive producer, Chris LeBlanc, who is just a visionary genius. Um, if you go and look at his um, films and docuseries that he's done, um, his vision for the world and how he wants to make it better and how he's promoting these people and docuseries, um, you know, is, is just incredible. It's kind of, you know, the Elon Musk, Richard Branson mindset, um, which, 
you know, I'm just so enamored by. Um, so his idea of the social movement that he um, tasked 40 CEOs, business owners, entrepreneurs, investors from all over the globe to come together for one week to film in Montreal. And he had a vision of bringing us all together to solve socioeconomic issues. Um, we had four days, four days to solve a major socioeconomic issue by working together in teams of 10 people. These are people we had never met before. We did not know each other. We just all kind of had that same similar entrepreneurial outside of the box mindset. And, you know, all caught on camera um, for Amazon Prime. So be sure to tune in. But it was fascinating. Not only are you given this kind of moonshot challenge as soon as you arrive and get off the plane and, and you're meeting all these people from all different cultures, which is fascinating in itself. Um, we're all now forced to work on this major initiative. And we have four days before we're presenting it in front of an esteemed panel of judges um, where they pick a winner. I can't give anything really away yet, um, but it was phenomenal because each of the four teams came up with a viable plan. Um, I will tell you that my team, our issue that we had to solve was how to create 100% literacy around the world. So imagine having four days to figure that out with 10 leaders of their own field and how to had to work together on a team. And each one of us is used to kind of calling the shots in our own world and, and running things. Each had to take a step back and say, okay, what's my value add? And how is it different from this person? Because we're now a team. And we each have to take our strengths and really work on those. And anything that we're, you know, maybe not as strong at, give it to the person next to me, who's obviously stronger in that field. And it was a great moment to really assess what your strengths and weaknesses are, what you need to work on, what you can learn from other people, um, and all to do to make the world a better place. And it was just phenomenal. The, the 40 people that I met there are, are now my forever friends. Um, we were put into this crazy wild ride. And, you know, we all grew immensely. You know, here we are helping other people, but really we all helped ourselves during that time because I think we all grew as humans, as business people. We each left there uh, better than we walked in and learning so much from each other and how to work differently, more efficiently, um, work better. And, you know, it was just the most amazing experience of my life. So the goal, just the premise, everyone kind of understands. So, and tell yeah. me if I, if I capture this right. So you guys, you get in a room for four days, you're kind of talking through stuff and then you kind of put some sort of presentation together. It's almost like a pitch to why yeah, your 100%. plan is the best. So of the each of the teams are given a moonshot mission, um, which they had the four days to solve. And in doing so, we also had to fundraise for a nonprofit that we were assigned to at the same time. So we're juggling a lot of big things at the same time. During those four days, we are to um, speak with experts in the field. We got, you know, amazing people working with us, you know, asking, you know, going to them saying, is this plan working? Are we on the right track? Um, they threw us curveballs throughout the time because it is a TV show. <laughs> and it was more studying how do people react under those situations? How does this group come together? What happens when you're under pressure 
and you have two hours before your pitch is due. And, you know, you have these 10 very, you know, A-type personalities, you know, all trying to get it done. And, you know, what if you took ordinary people from all over the world and charged them with creating the extraordinary? What could get done? And I was blown away. And I think anyone else who watches it by what can get done in four days when you put your heart and mind to it and you take whatever genius you've been given and, and you share it with the other people in the room and you all kind of do the you know, do it all share your genius together. It's like amazing what can be done. Um, and I can't wait for, for everyone to watch this and to see the pitches and to see the amazing um, group. And I will tell you this, one of the groups, which was a surprise group, um, were kids, the smartest kids in the world, um, ages about 15, 16, and 17, um, made up one of the teams. So we were competing against, you know, the younger generation, which was awe-inspiring. And when does this, is this launch in 2020 sometime, did I see? Yes. So this will be um, available on Amazon Prime and iTunes um, in summer of 2020. So um, okay. if you can follow the behind the scenes and there's some teasers, et cetera, at Social Movement TV on Instagram. Awesome. I'll link that up in the, in the show notes. That's pretty cool. So with all this stuff going on in your world, right? Um, single mother, two kids, you're, tra- you're, you're all over the place, right? You said you're moving different stuff. Is there anything that keeps you grounded each day? Are there certain routines or practices that, that kind of help you stay centered and help you kind of keep moving forward? Anything that you'd share that's been impactful for you? Um, absolutely. Well, my kids keep me grounded. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, they will have always been and always will be my main priority. Everybody in my life, I make it very clear that they come first. I cancel things, no problem. Um, you know, just some people's annoyance, but my kids know that they come first. And, um, you know, to them, I'm mom and that's it. And that is my number one role. I do have a kind of routine that I keep to every day. I try to get up at the same time every day. I walk my dogs at the same time every day. During the summer, it's exceptionally hard as a single mom because my kids are not in school, right? So normally during the school year, I know what my hours are where I can accomplish things. Um, I, I do have a rule and everybody knows this about me that I need, you know, if I have an event that I'm covering at night or that I need to be at, I am home by 9, 9.30 to put my kids to bed. Um, I very rarely veer from that. Um, it's just something that's important to me to be there for my kids at night when they go to bed. Um, the other thing is during the summers, um, thankfully my kids sleep in until about 11. God bless them. <laughs> I wish I could do this. Thing. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's really amazing. I'm not going to lie. Um, so in the summers, what I have done is I do all my work from, I set my alarm at 5 a.m. I do, I try to book any TV segments that I'm doing or any conference calls, um, podcasts, et cetera, between the hours of 5 a.m. to about 1130. Um, so that gives me a solid six and a half hours of work every day. I do my postings. I do my social media, um, anything work-related. 1130, I try to be done. My kids are up. I am now with them and present with them during the day until the evening. After dinner, I'll finish up whatever I couldn't finish. Uh, you know, earlier in the morning, or if I have an event, etc. you know, I'll go to that. But again, I do try to get back in time for them to go to bed. 
And that's great. You know, you've just, built that in, that flexibility, right, into your day, which is awesome, and, and kind yeah. of that structure. So it works for you. And which I realize is really not good. everyone. Yeah, I realize not everyone can do that. Um, it, it works for me. It's how you know we've been able to work it, and I feel very lucky that I'm able to work it that way. That is one of the joys of, of you know being an entrepreneur and working from home, et cetera, um, is that you're able to have that flexibility and to, and to really be there, you know, for your family. So obviously we talked about the social movement. What else, let, let's talk about the next six months year. What are you excited about? There's some things you'd like to share um, that you're excited about that you're working on or will be working on in the, in the coming year. Absolutely. I have, um, this year has been the biggest growth year for me by far. I have really stepped out of my comfort zone. I really, the one thing I could tell everybody or say to everybody, step out of your comfort zone, just give it a try. Sometimes it'll work, sometimes it won't, but you may even find a talent you never even knew you had. Um, being in front of the camera was something I was always terrified of, of doing. Um, it wasn't until a year and a half ago when the ION channels brought me on to do ION South Florida and ION Chicago, et cetera, that I stepped in front of the camera. If you looked at my first five appearances, I was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. And, you know, but I, I found that, you know what, I kind of enjoyed it and it was fun and it was another way for me to promote people, right? So I really wanted to get good at it because it's a, it's a great outlet. Um, and a great way for me to expand my business. So I really wanted to work on the craft of, you know, on camera hosting. And so throughout this past year and a half, that has been kind of my challenge to myself is to get better, to do better, to be, you know, better on camera, um, saying yes to the social movement where you are documented 24 seven was largely out of my comfort zone. Um, and, you know, I loved it. I loved you know, following such an incredible experience. And so now what I'm trying to do with Hill and Brand Media is, is to really produce a lot more on-air segments. I'm starting a new spotlight series, which really focuses on the people in each city, uh, people who are doing amazing things and getting amazing responses and outcomes that you should know about. Um, you know, businesses that are doing something new and different that we haven't seen before and really giving them a spotlight um, that they normally wouldn't have um, and an opportunity. You know, I, as much as I love the big names and the big, you know, which is always great for, you know, getting new followers and all that stuff that people want, my true passion is promoting the people that, that don't have the voice, that don't have the platform. Um, I love to find the small businesses, the smaller entrepreneurs that are just getting started that still have that passion within them because those make the greatest segments. And so for this next year, I'm about to launch my new website, um, hopefully um, next month, um, where I'm really focusing on people, places, and businesses who are just getting started, who are entrepreneurial, who still have that passion and drive within them. Um, and so that's really going to be my focus this next year. That's really neat. And I always like to end on this is, you know, and it's, it's hard sometimes to pick one thing, but is there a quote, uh, maybe a piece of advice, something you've heard in the past that you kind of live by each and every day, something you'd share with the, the listeners of maybe impactful for them to kind of take a little uh, nugget. I don't want to say motivation, uh, but at least sure. something that they can think about maybe to, to think about their life a little differently. You know, I, I don't know if it's a quote or, or what, but my favorite thing, and I, you know, I do say this to everybody, especially those who are going through a hard time or maybe 
something didn't work out the way that they wanted it to, or, you know, they're just really struggling or frustrated, you know, along the process and the journey that we're all on is, um, you know, there's no such thing as failure to me. It is a lesson learned and it just grows you for the next experience that's coming your way and that there is always something coming your way. You just have to remain open to it. You have to learn the lesson that you were supposed to learn by that obstacle, that fail, whatever you want to call it. Um, but don't ever get stuck in failure. That is people's number one downfall, I feel. As they go, oh, it didn't work, I'm done. A hundred percent no. It didn't work. Why didn't it work? What, was, what were you supposed to, to learn by that? Take that. That is incredible knowledge to have. And that's only going to make you stronger and better for the next opportunity that's come in your way. And be open to that next opportunity because it definitely is coming. Wow, this has been wonderful. Where can people connect with you online if they want to do? Um, I, my personal um, Instagram is at Molly Dare. And then my Hill and Brand Media is my business Instagram. And on Facebook, I am on Hill and Brand Media as well. And um, if they want the behind the scenes of the social movement, it's at Social Movement TV um, on both Facebook and Instagram. Molly, thank you so much for joining today. This was an absolute pleasure, and I appreciate you sharing your story with everyone. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. Thank you. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview and look forward to having you for the next one. And if you are getting value out of this podcast, please head over to iTunes, leave me a quick review, let me know how I'm doing. It's the only way I'm going to be able to make this podcast better each and every episode. And go connect with me online at Brian Andreco on Instagram or Twitter, or head over to my website, brianandreco.com, where I house the podcasts, you know, my CrossFit journey, a ton of blog articles. I even have a now page to kind of keep people up to speed on the last couple months. Um, At worst, it gives my mom peace of mind to keep tabs on me and know that I'm doing okay. So I hope you guys continue to do great. Um, I look forward to having you on another episode and keeping connected online. Take care, have a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon.